Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Hello, Owen Jones here. Welcome to the podcast. I did promise you that I'd speak to people who are not on the left, and Jeff Norcott isn't, so... There you go, done. He is a self-professed right-wing comedian. I've been on his show, so got to be a gentleman and return the favour. And so we've, we have a lovely chat, it's actually quite fun to be honest, uh, about our disagreements, why he's a raging Tory, um, why he doesn't like the le- well, left-wing ideas I suppose. <laughs> um, we talk about, you know, philosophical stuff I suppose, Um why I don't think personal responsibility in inverted quotes explains social injustice. Um, the struggle of minorities, uh, whether the so-called culture war is actually just the age-old backlash against minorities trying to fight for and assert their rights, and the backlash that ensues. We talk about loads of stuff, to be fair, um, including his most left-wing opinion. So I think you'll have fun. I know some people are like, oh, why are you speaking to right-wingers? It's important. Also, it reaches new audiences, um, and it it prods me a bit more, maybe. I hope you enjoy it anyway. Uh, do support the channel on patreon.com forward slash owenjoes84 to allow us to keep the show on the road and do the amazing documentaries that we do. Uh, or use the support function in the podcast description. Uh, do give us five stars. Go on, go on, go on. And a review. And subscribe. And with that, have a listen to me, Chat to Jeff. All right, Jeff Norcott. What a pleasure to have you. Yeah, it is. It is. Well, this is the away leg, isn't it? Because you came on my podcast, and fair play to you. You came to what's most most people think on a windy Tuesday, and you came away with a little cheeky one nil. Uh, I think you. I think you took the three points. My my patrons wow. were really annoyed because they sort of wanted to dislike you, but sort of did like you on the whole. So how can they dislike so this? this- Cheeky, chucky, chucky, cheeky, chappy, Macaulay Culkin tribute act face. I just think it's... What yeah, is it going just... on with your boat race, mate? You're getting younger. It's weird. So either you've lost lots of weight or you've had Botox, but it's, re- it's really freaking me out. I'm still calibrating I haven't to had, it. I, I should clarify, I haven't had Botox. Nothing wrong with getting Botox. For those, for the Botox community out there, do what you like. Why, why do you see immediately? You say, yeah, yeah, there is. Why can't we? <laughs> There's nothing just, wrong with getting Botox. Nothing wrong with Botox. Wrong there with... isn't anything wrong with getting Botox. I, but you can tell I can smile still. See, still facial expressions. I have so cut myself I don't shaving. know if that proved anything, actually. I think you see that, that really... I've cut myself, cut myself shaving, Jeff. So I can shave. Oh, I'm Owen Jones. Look, I've finally started shaving. All right, mate. Come on. We've uh, Violent throes of puberty have finally hit me. Um... <laughs> All right, all right, Tory boy. Look, so basically, what? Oh, first of all, by the way, because it was such a good gag, and I know you have to repeat it, but it was it was a sensation. What? So I, I mean, that, that definitely hasn't made it harder to be as funny. But I, uh, we were getting ready to do this, and there was something wrong with your sound, and it, I said it sounded like you were in a K hole, and then you said we should do a show on a K hole, and then I said through the K hole with Keith Lemon and Owen Jones, and and, and it's not actually. 
<laughs> I can actually imagine. What a success! I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do it from now on. All my interviews will be done whilst I'm on ketamine. Oh, Kemi, but, but as I was saying, I think there'd be a lot of pauses. That would be the thing. You'd come out of it thinking, that was like a really interesting chat. And then you'd watch it back and it would be four hours long and it would contain about 16 words. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you're obviously talking from huge ketamine experience. Oh, well, it's, uh, no, but that's the thing with conservatives now. You saw the last leadership election, absolute session monsters, mate. It's the opposite. Labour, like Keir Starmer has, to basically say that he's done drugs, but then kind of give it the odd, well, I couldn't possibly admit it. Meanwhile, Rory Stewart was up in mountains doing opium with, with, with Gurkhas or something. I think I've crossed the streams a little bit there, but he probably he's probably done that too. He was off his face on something. I have to say, he's an eccentric guy. I mean, I'm not mm -hmm. suggesting he's on drugs whilst he's doing his interviews to avoid a exchange of letters with a lawyer um yeah. but i wouldn't be surprised if you know there's nothing wrong with that i i think you know there's nothing wrong with that see is that your I, thing on the left you have to say whatever you say and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that, Botox, wrong with that. absolutely <laughs> fine having a savage drug addiction look it's fine to the drug addicted community you you crack on lads it's not <laughs> not great to have a savage drug addiction and for all those watching do you get in touch with the relevant charity oh so are you judging them now owen are you judging <laughs> no, them well there you go i just i'm just doing oh, by the way I, i'm having diet coke did you see last week cristiano ronaldo uh, he came in and he took the coke off the desk and replaced it with water and i thought it's just a sign of, of how open we are to being morally judged for our, our diet and our habits that he got lauded online and I thought, piss off, Ronaldo. You know yeah, what I mean? Do you know what? I went through. I'm interested. I don't know why I'm interested in your thoughts on this, but I am. So I can't really help it. We are who we are, as God made us. I went through a big <laughs> Coke Zero phase. And yeah. I used to drink a lot of it. And it does have a lot of a... Is it aspartame? Is that what you call it? It's, it's some sort of sweetener in it. Yes. And... I don't think it is actually very good for you, if I'm going to be brutally honest. And I stopped drinking Coke Zero. Again, nothing wrong. No. If you've got a Coke Zero addiction, do you seek <laughs> help? Um, no, but I mean, I I just I just think my life's been better. Drinking water, I started doing this thing where I drink water a lot. And actually, I do. It, who would have thought such a basic thing would actually, not life-changing, but it's made my life better. So, Well, in fairness, in your face looks amazing at the moment. I, this is what I think, though. I mean, one thing that the, the pandemic, the pandemic is sort of is, is that you do have to just enjoy aspects of of life now. And and maybe I'm just justifying this that I've basically developed a one diet coke a day habit ever since the first lockdown started. But I think that you know people should be have a choice to decide to have a sensible amount of diet coke. I don't know if we need multi millionaires sort of with you know sort of whipping it off the desk in a high-handed way or people calling it poison. And the stupid thing is people are probably thinking right now, well, is, it, is he getting money from Coke? I'm not. That's that's how bad I am at being right-wing. Yeah, I'm not actually say, getting this, any... This was a product placement. It's a slightly odd way of going about it. I, I don't know if I'm the guy that they'd really want their product associated with. Do you know what I mean? This kind of right-wing electrician look. I think they'd want somebody a lot funkier looking than me. <laughs> Let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. In fact, I have hmm. to say, um, Jeff, because you're a bit of a Tory and I'm I'm not just to, just to come out everyone I'm not a conservative but the reason I've got a slide not Cahill exactly through the Cahill with Owen Jones and Jeff yeah what Am we I... find out so many things about Owen Jones here he's not a Tory what else is gonna happen <laughs> I bet he's gonna... gay I bet he's gay I... it's all gonna come out I'm not gay Jesus <laughs> yeah oh there's a limit 
God, I can't believe you think I'm well, I am gay. Yeah, I'm afraid so. Uh, that's me coming out for the first time, everyone. Um, so, Jeff, I do. Right. OK, the reason I've got not misgivings about interviewing you, I don't at all. I was looking forward to it. But um, there's this new thing where anytime now I interview someone, people think, therefore, I'm their biggest supporter and cheerleader. So I went to Batley mm-hmm. and Spen and interviewed the local Labour candidate. Uh, I interviewed Andy Burnham. He was there campaigning. I interviewed uh, lots of local people. I tried to interview the Conservative candidate, but they are new doing interviews with journalists. And I interviewed George Galloway because he's standing, big part of the story. The BBC did the same. And now people are like, and George Galloway, who voted Conservative in the last, uh, in the elections in Scotland. Did, yeah. and, I'm, and people are like, oh, well, now you support him. And I, I have to say, I've I blocked George Galloway on Twitter about six years ago. And I think we're, it's fair to describe each other as arch nemesises. But now people are going to go, oh, interviewing a right-wing comedian. Your trajectory continues. Yes, I, I think, but that is a very social media reductive way of viewing things. I mean, ultimately, if people have a view of you, Owen, and they want it corroborated, they're just gonna they're just gonna look at things that fall into the slipstream in their hit zone. You know, well, that's great. He spoke to. George Galloway, I can smack that one out of the park. So it's not, you know, increasingly, I, I am active on Twitter at, at the moment, but I had a, a recent sort of social media uh, hiatus. Uh, yeah, just a few days. And it was the first proper one I've done in many years, actually. It was probably overdue. And it was a reminder of, of how how little actually makes it out of social media and into, into the real world. You know, I have to say that as much as some people on Twitter today think that this song that was written by school kids and touted by Joanna Lumley for one day is part of the descent into fascism. I've been out on the streets, Owen, and I can report I'm not sure Britain shares that view yet. The song is creepy, by the way. Do you want to just have a little sing of the song? I, it, do you know, it's sort of catchy, I could, but, but I say that, I can't remember how it goes, but it was it's written like, by kids. Britain is great. Kids. We love Britain. Worship Boris Johnson. I mean, it could have been written by Boris Johnson. It's that basic and and childlike in a lot of ways. But I just think that there's that problem with social media is it has like a point, right, which is that the Conservatives have, you know, I think that the culture war did for me start principally on the left, but there's no doubt that the right and the Tories have really happily got on that bandwagon. They're loving it because ultimately in wider society, more people tend to agree with them, just about, right? So, so, but people then to... They take stuff and they get so extreme with it. You know, they'll either say that it's a sign of the descent into Nazism, or if you're a connoisseur, Victor Orban's Hungary. You know, that's the new that's the new reference for the left winger uh, of distinction. And, and I, I just think what the sum total of that sometimes for the left is that it can seem like a bit wacky and a, and, a, and, a, and a bit paranoid. And 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 the problem, you know, as I talk about in the book, what book? Yeah, book. Um, is that reconciling that the public often now have a view of the political left, which is kind of intertwined with the cultural left. And I think that's maybe some of the root of Labour's recent electoral woes. We'll come on to that. And as my MI5 interceptors will testify, listening to my phone conversations, there's nothing paranoid about me whatsoever. So the thing is, Jeff, (laughs) Tory, you are a Tory. Well, I'm a conservative. I, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to say I'm a Tory and stuff, but the truth is, and, and this might sound like splitting airs, but I, I'm, I have been a conservative voter since 2010. That's the truth of it. But I what made you think... conservative? What made you become that's me? Conservatism, love a bit of it. Love it. It was more. I think, like deep down, there's a tendency towards personal responsibility, uh, fiscal responsibility, which is all seems a bit, you know, sort of by the by the wayside now. But there is a sort of core set of maybe three key values, you know, a lean, 
a lean welfare system and, and, and small state, they'll always be there for me. Now, it doesn't preclude voting Labour. It hasn't done in the past. It, it might do again, but I think it would take quite a long time for the machinery of the Labour Party to turn round to that sort of position uh, again. And I, But, yeah, it's not without reservations. That's the really weird thing about politics recently is it's been portrayed all too often as this sign of, you know, total conviction. Like, what, why do I don't have to have certainty? I, I'm a voter. What I have to do, what I have to do is every few years make a like a, an imperfect decision. And, you know, as I said for a long time, it's like democracy is it's like it's like getting waterboarded, but you get a choice between sparkling or still. That's that's about like that's the best you're going to get. And, and there's no offense to the waterboarded community there and their struggles. So personal responsibility. Why is mm. it that most households in poverty in Britain are working households? Because they're doing what's supposed to be the right thing. They're in work. They're in a job. I do think, obviously, lots of people without work. That's most people. That's not their fault. But but we'll park that because it's more complex, I suppose, in terms of going into those weeds. If personal responsibility is sacred, why is it most people in poverty, most households in poverty, are working households? Well, you're, you're, I mean, yeah, that is alarming, the amount of working households that are in, well, in, by one definition of poverty, not absolutely. Well, no, that's, the, that's the, official defini- the official definition of poverty. If we look at the ONS stats, most households below the poverty line are working households. But you, under, but you accept that there's a difference between the two definitions of poverty, one that's based on 60% of the median income and another which re- refers to absolute poverty. Well, in... In a sense, it doesn't matter in this particular definition because what we're saying is, if you want me to rephrase it, most households below a certain low income threshold mm. are in work. So why is so? You yeah, I mean, so you're defining it purely by money. But one of my anxieties about the left, you know, and I talk about this a lot in the book, is the left as a as an offer. You need right? to say what left. the title of the book is, by the way. I can't believe we've done Oh, it's uh, where, where Did I Go Right? Uh, How the Left Lost Me, which I think is technically victim blaming uh, <laughs> for people on the left. I'm blaming the left for losing me, you silly. I was going to say silly buggers. Is that, is that problematic now? It probably is a bit, isn't it? Nothing oh, wrong well, with buggering. Can't, can't say anything these days, Jeff. Bloody well, I've never said that. I have never said that, right? So come now, I'm going to pull you up. A lot of lefties have started saying that people like me say that you can't say anything these days. And the only people saying that you can't say anything these days are people accusing people like me of saying that. I mean, well, certainly, I don't think many comedians honestly think that. You know, you can I've say whatever you want. People, I mean, I've interviewed a lot of people on the street and people do say that, by the way. But anyway, people's, people say that, but comedians, you know, we're aware of the cliche. What you, what you can, you can say whatever you want, but you might not appear in any comedy shows on telly. But, you know, it's freedom of speech, guys, but, but consequences. It's all about the consequences. I was saying, Owen, recently that I sort of felt like, you know, when people talk about the consequences of free speech, there is something vaguely Tony Soprano about it where they go, yeah, it's just the uh, consequences. Hey, you, you, no, you talk, you, you, you talk some good stuff, but uh, stuff might happen. <laughs> you might not appear on that show you like. So it's, it's I a, think it's a really good impression. You should go to comedy. It's fun to talk like that. Halfway through, I lost faith in the impression, to be honest, and, <laughs> and got a bit, and I got a bit tense. You probably saw it flicker across my eyes. I did but, actually, but, because yeah, I, for everyone's benefit, I actually can't see you properly when I'm looking at the camera because if I looked at you like this, it looks a bit distracting. But my camera's there. Anyway, carry on. I. So really, you're looking at yourself right now. No, no, I'm not. I'm looking at a lens. Every once in a while, the sc- I mean, hopefully the viewer won't see this, but the screen is freezing on you. 
And, and you're looking well, man. Like, no, no, I, I think that the feed's fine. But for me, the feed, but it always seems to be at the most point, like where you're pulling your sort of blue steel look. Is that, are you, are you just deliberately hit, hitting screenshot <laughs> yeah. at some point? At some point. That, that was more Adam's family, to be honest. But the, okay. I think, <laughs> I think personal responsibility, there seems to be certainly the perception I get is that there's a more interventionist attitude towards people's behaviors, uh, language, diet, you know, and don't get me wrong. There's people on the sort of so-called wet side of the conservative party that subscribe to this too. So my view overall, and this isn't just in terms of money is that the state should stay out of your life as much as possible where possible. Now, now one of the issues at the moment, and one of the things that's made me challenge some of my own thinking is we've got some, example of where the state being in your life can actually be quite good you know like a vaccine rollout you know like, oh, yeah this nhs actually you know it does have one or two uses so I, I did a radio 4 special recently and and that's kind of where i'm at politically and comedically at the moment is is having these hunches but also being aware of my own bullshit if you know what i mean like every so often i come across a point of view and i go hang on do i think that you know and and that's more comfortable for me these these cultural war years where we've all dealt in total total certainties i think there's something really quite un-british about that really we'll come on to the cultural stuff because i mean we just that we can't we're just trapped in it um mm. i mean that point about personal responsibility again i mean it was barack obama who i I have lots of disagreements with, by the way, but he once said... What, in person? What, are you, are you yeah. like beefing on WhatsApp with him? Yeah, yeah, well, always, always, always. I had to mute Barack again. I mean, yeah. seriously. Barack! It did make me sound like I've got slight delusions of grandeur there. It's like, it's, it's like you're just... Well, I've had a lot of disagreements with You're Barack. just some little Weasley-looking Guardian columnist he's never heard of. I, don't, I think he'll sleep well at night. He won the presidency twice. Okay, let me rephrase that. It, I just, I have different politics. I'm just saying that mm. because often... Famously, Ash Sarkar, my friend, went on television and Piers Morgan tried to bracket her as a, as a Barack Obama cheerleader. And she said, I'm a communist, you idiot. So I'm trying to do it in my own way. I'm not a communist myself. Yes. Anyway, I'm a socialist. doesn't really matter. The point about, but he said, though, it was a really good phrase. He said, um, you know, we're told by the right that everyone has to pull themselves up by the bootstraps. But what if they don't have any boots? And, you know, if I think of my own, I grew up in Stockport. I'm not a working class hero. Mm. It's very important I make that very clear. That I'm not pretending to be something I'm not. But I grew up in a working class community. And the primary school I was at was in the bottom 5% by results. I was the only boy to go to university or sixth form, I believe. More went to prison. And that wasn't because I was brighter. It's because I had odds stacked in my favor. You know, I had a, I didn't live in overcrowded housing uh, because there's a housing crisis in this country. So I had places to study. Um I was surrounded by books. Uh, I uh, I didn't, you know, I was well fed. I didn't have, you know, kids. I remember they grew up, they came in, you know, mm -hmm. often yeah, or diets or, or hungry. Some of them wore school uniform at weekends because they didn't really have any of the clothes. Now, mm -hmm. I would say, like, it's so easy. When you talk about personal responsibility, it, it, it's almost like saying you get a load of cars, right, to race each other. And one car starts a mile in front of the car at the back. And then but they see, go, go to the finish line. And if you don't make, and whoever gets there is the best. But obviously it doesn't, it doesn't. But yeah, but you're, you're in a way, way you're applying a very conservative 
sort of definition of that, i.e. That, that I don't believe in support. It's about the balance of, of that support. And I do think that there are periods under new Labour. Certainly, you know, I lived in a household where my own family were, were getting benefits for certain things. And, and with the combination of benefits that my mum was getting for her disability, it eventually didn't make sense to go to work. So it's just coming at things from, from a different angle. Is I, did, I wanted government to get out of her life a bit because she was really, really smart. You know, she was a real loss to the workplace, but she would have been a fool to even consider it. So it's not a case of I don't think that people don't need support or even financial support. I, w- I would say this. I think that, you know, around 2015, I think the Tories got quite lazy because it, the benefit cuts polled quite well, even among working class people. But I think that they sort of just they just got used to that. And I actually think that the benefit cap now is too low. You know, I think I think the idea of a benefit cap me and a lot of people support it, but I think it is too low. And I do think, I do find it odd, the idea that there's no multiple of children that you could have, you know, that could change it beyond the point. So like I say, it's not about not believing in support, but I think that the thing that we would, we wouldn't disagree on that principle, but we might disagree at the, at the, the line that you draw. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you Everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. And, I mean, I would say, just quick, because I want to talk about the culture war stuff, but it, you know, when we look at kids who are going to be driven into poverty because the universal yeah. credit uh, uprating isn't going to be maintained, clearly. Do you think it won't be, though? I parents, feel like if Marcus... their personal responsibility. <laughs> But don't you feel like if Marcus Rashford does like two tweets on it, that will happen? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean he's, he's become like the nation's union rep, isn't he? He's far more effective than Starmer. Well, what I mean, I agree on that. We'll probably, we'll probably agree on that as well. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I would say it's it's pretty depressing. It takes a footballer to, uh, to to get the government to do something about children who are hungry in one of the richest countries on earth. The culture war. So in the 1980s, there was this book, right? And it was called Jenny Lives with Martin and Eric. And it was a mm-hmm. book translated from Danish. And it was about a girl with two gay fathers. And it went through their lives, like, you know, them living together. In one incident, one of the dads gets homophobic abuse and he explains what that is in a kind of child book kind of way. And actually, this was never distributed to children in this country. I mean, it should have been, but it wasn't. It was a aid which was just reserved for teachers to look at. But it became front page news. And it was used as example in the 1980s of the gay agenda, the loony left, loony left Labour councils ramming the gay agenda down the throats of children. 
And that helped lead to something known as Section 28, which banned the so-called promotion of homosexual lifestyles uh, in schools. So I didn't get any LGBTQ education like many other children did mm-hmm. growing up either, which was not very good uh, for us. And that was a so-called culture war in the 1980s. Mm. Yeah, it, I think it, it was, yeah. But we look back and go, well, actually what that was really about is a minority that really should just be accepted and treated equally. Mm. And the fact that in 1988, two thirds of the population thought homosexuality was wrong and only about 12% thought it wasn't. So it was really overwhelming opposition to gay rights. Mm. But we'd look back at that and think, well, as much as that was used against the Labour Party and Neil Kinnock's spokesperson, Patricia Hewitt said, we're losing support amongst pensioners because of the gay and lesbian issue. And it was used to batter the left. But we look back and go, well, who was in the right there? And I guess no, I know what you're, asking, I know what you're getting Isn't that the same today? Isn't that just I'm, the same today? Sort of, sort of. I mean, one of the things I discuss in the book is, and frequently say, you know, I did an article recently in a right-wing newspaper where I said a lot of these concepts may well take root in time. But the, the, the phrase I use, certainly in relation to someone like my mum, who was a liberal Democrat, but small C conservative. She used to say, it's not it's not change, it's the pace of change. That's what she'd always talk about. And, you know, social media is certainly hot housed certain ideas online and they've progressed very quickly and they've often run a long way ahead of where the average person is. So it's not even a case of, like, do you understand the debate and all the issues? It's are you included? Because a, a lot of people that understand it fall on either side of the debate, but a lot of people haven't even really come to a conclusion through lack of exposure. So I think that is that is the difference now. You know, the, the hard-won gains on homosexuality. I mean, and, you know, I don't want to drop the sort of liberal bomb here, but son's got two gay godparents just just throw my old liberal credentials Ooh, out there. Of my, some of my best godfathers are gay. I know. See, I said that at the Edinburgh Fringe and people say that. I go, yeah, but I still did do that. You know what I mean? You can't take that away from me. That is some <laughs> I serious... Let, what you lot? Godfather of my children. I'm joking. That's, that's great. That's great. <laughs> I'm sure they're great godfathers. Well, yeah. They, they, you know, they're, they're absolutely fantastic. But I mean, my, so my attitude towards liberalism is a bit old. Is like it's not so much that I approve or disapprove of anything. It's like I don't give a toss what people do. It really is kind of like I just don't care. You know what I mean? I, I, God, it, this is the problem: is, is you use old-fashioned phrases that actually sound a bit gammony now. But I treat as I find. That used to be like a really good phrase, and now that's like Nazi. He treats as he finds. If I said gammony, um, people would be going, "Oh, Owen, you." Oh, mate, no, I'm clearly a, a diet gammon. I'm like a Padwan gammon. I think I'm learning padwan. the ways of the gammon. <laughs> I think you're gammon. But, right. But I think um, I, I think that yeah, it's a it's a question of time, and, and it's really hard, I guess, when you're young, because I grew up in a world pre-social media, is, is to constantly remind yourself like the political and social discourse of the kind that happens on Twitter is probably shared by about five percent of the country. Now it's not that some of those debates don't spill outside of that, but they're not locked in that day in day out discourse. So I. You know, I, I believe that a lot of things that you're talking about now may eventually become accepted, but it's the friction that comes from people thinking that it should happen now rather than taking time. So I suppose on that, and I think we'll just use the gay one as an example because obviously we've got a consensus between both of us on that. But you would accept, would you not, that it's all well and good for people to say, be patient and stop trying mm. to rush people because these things take time. Yeah, no, I get them. People probably feel like they've lived their whole lives. If you're gay, if you're gay in your, you know, your life, as an example, is actually made very hard as a consequence. You're at risk of violence. Mm. Back then, 
the age of consent was different. You couldn't adopt children. You couldn't have a civil partnership, let alone a marriage with the person that you loved. You could be legally turned away by services like bed and breakfast because you're gay. Mm. Like all of those things, you discrimination was completely legal. You were yeah. educated about being gay. You faced constant homophobic bullying often within the school. Yeah, not disputing like a single but Isn't that the problem? Like, is it really, like, should it really be the case that minorities you suffer that level of just their lives having freedom taken away from them no no and i think Rather that we than society can, no. should just catch up and i'm not saying that, that social discourse shouldn't move faster than it did in the past but there's certainly been like a breakneck dimension to it and i get if you're in those communities the idea of someone asking for patience might sound a bit rich you know as obviously you know straight white man with all the privilege that, that goes with that you know um but i think that those those victories in terms of social justice were hard won, but they were lasting. And there, there is something to be learned. So I just think that there's more balance to be struck somewhere between those two things. You know, you look at the attitudes towards homosexuality now, so positive, and you look at it in comparison to even other Western democracies. You know, we're very lucky to live in, and, and it's not to say that bigotry doesn't exist, but I do think it is important sometimes, maybe the left don't do this often enough, is to acknowledge that we can do better and we can do more, but to also acknowledge how far we've come. That seems to be a problem. So, you oh. know what? It's not the worst place in the world here, but we can always do better. I get that. But the people at the time who fought for the changes that you accept were obviously completely necessary and hard won. They were yeah. demonized for rushing things, for being too militant. They were called the gay lobby, the gay militant agenda. Yeah. Do you realize like, how much of this I'm basing on? It's a sin, by the way. I've just realized that I'm trying to sit here and have some serious, proper social commentary debate. And I'm literally seeing, like when you said that, I was seeing the scene where they were outside the commons. I, was like, I don't know if my historical reference points are exactly accurate in this instance. I mean, it'll, but, it'll but I'm aware of the struggle. Yeah, it's passing, but but that's the thing, isn't it? Is actually, and it's the same with civil rights in the United States. Every time a minority or women's rights, people were feminazis. Every time either women who were technically a majority or minorities fight for their rights, they are always portrayed as being too militant, too aggressive. But then in hindsight, we look back and go, well, obviously they needed to do. They had to push for their rights. They, they didn't sit around just going, oh, please just accept us for who we are and write some like some mm. polite letters to the local MP. They actually had to fight for things. And that's how we yeah. win change. So actually in hindsight, how you win. Well, I heard uh, Nick Robinson was doing an interview of Alok Sharma the other day, and he was talking about, you know, the sort of a cathartic conversion towards being climate conscious. And he used the example of Swampy, and he made a very good point. And, you know, look, Swampy was a, a figure of fun. He was, uh, you know, if, if younger viewers don't know who he was, he was he was protested against road developments and stuff, but was generally seen as an environmentalist. And it, he sort of, uh, Nick Robinson said to Alok Sharma, was like, well, wasn't Swampy right? You know, and, and it was a really difficult question because Alex Sharma sailed through the whole interview. Very, very slick. But that is always that question when you look at, you know, militants and even, even terrorists to a point, you know. But I think that the discussion is is how you reach there. It's that it's that dialogue between people. And I think that is the difference. Now, you know, when when the discussions about homosexuality were being had, there was four, maybe five channels. There were tabloid newspapers that we all read together. The difference now is that we are very much not all on the same page in terms of where we're getting our information. And if if there is if there is a breakdown in terms of understanding, I think it I think it comes from that. So I don't think people should not have those goals. But it, I guess it comes down to pragmatism, you know, and that's the, how I view politics is not what should be happening, but what's possible within this time frame.
Do you think a lot of this, though, is, and this is true on both sides or every side, because not every argument has two sides, but that there's too much obsession, essentially, with what happens on Twitter. And you kind of answered that point by pointing out that actually out there, the vast majority of people yeah. are not actively using it. They're not debating things on Twitter. They're the cut through is... Does it? How does it cut through? I just don't think no, no. people out there. No, know I don't think it does. Twitter. That's what I'm saying. In the last election, when you look at the the percentages for recognitions for key things that happened in the last election, there was two main ones. One was Jacob Rees-Mogg, and I forget exactly what it was, but it was something to do with Windrush that was was insensitive, and that that got recognition. And there was something to do with he said that on radio. I get, and there was a, there was something to do with a Labour politician, but the, but that that was it. And you you know you think about you know Boris Johnson putting the phone in his pocket, stuff like that. And you, I remember at the time, even people like Richard Bergen were sort of saying, "Oh, was this like a Gillian Duffy moment?" I'm like, there's still a case that if it ain't on the news, <laughs> it's not the news, you know. And 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 Twitter has become. I think there's been a, quite a big migration from Twitter to Instagram. I noticed that. You'll probably have noticed it yourself. And it certainly inflamed the debate there. And a lot of people who were just on Twitter to have a laugh and talk about TV shows suddenly found that if they liked the wrong TV show, they were trending or getting told off. So I think Twitter is now a self-selecting focus group of angry people. And I, I still quite like it. I understand it on those terms and engage with it on those terms. But I don't think, even five years ago, I think TV and production companies used to think it was a reasonable uh, gauge of reaction to something now, but I know for a fact that they've moved away from that. You know, they used to do boards about, look, we've these are the words that people used in association with this program, but they've almost gone back to old-fashioned focus groups and how many people watched it, God forbid. What were the ratings in the actual country rather than did it get good feedback online? Boris Johnson, I'm interested in this because I spoke to a Tory MP in one of these kind of like green room scenarios when you're on a discussion program and beforehand you have a little chat off screen. And this was, but this was like 2018, I think. Theresa May was obviously floundering mm-hmm. and it was a matter of not if, but when she'd, she'd be off. Yeah. And he was saying to me, there is no way that Boris Johnson will ever get to the final two of Tory MPs, which was necessary mm-hmm. then to make onto the ballot of Tory members because the vast majority of Tory MPs thought he was a charlatan, a liar, mm-hmm. lazy, all these things. And then he ended up backing him. I mean, I won't reveal who it is because like, you can't do that, unfortunately. Um, surely you, I mean, when you think about where the left's gone wrong, you must mm. look at Boris Johnson and accept that this guy, he's been sacked twice for lying. He said some objective, you know, tank top bum boys, picking innies with watermelon smiles compared Muslim women to, to letterboxes. Um, you know, I, I, along with that, we could go on, you know. Are yeah. you pushing that open door here? Easy. I mean, I've never, I've never said much positive about Boris Johnson in the public domain. He's not my kind of politician. Uh, you know, ironically, I sort of, Theresa May was more my sort of politician in that she never, she wasn't enjoying it. I, I like prime ministers to look like they're not really enjoying it. Sort of Gordon Brown, Theresa May, like this is hard work. You know, I don't want them kind of flouncing around like Blair and Boris Johnson. What what Johnson typified, and, and bear in mind, you know, people often get depressed or how could conservative voters vote for Boris Johnson at the last election? And then they'll often say, well, you know, I held my nose when it came to Corbyn. We go, would you not think the right wing people could hold their nose? You know, there was there was a really bad choice of leadership at the last election. And 
pragmatism again comes into play. Now, maybe there is a slight difference in terms of the left and the right in that respect. Pragmatism is more at the heart of right wing political uh, thinking. And, you know, the Tory party, it's both in a way what you're referencing there, Owen, is both a strength and a weakness because for Labour to change direction, these they've got these clunking great institutions, right? So you could have, I would be interested in the Labour Party that had, say, Andy Burnham as leader, maybe, I'm now going to say loads of centre-right people who people think with, you know, like Jess Phillips, Hillary Benn, Keir Starmer and stuff. I mean, that, that would probably alienate the left, but that might have more mainstream appeal. But what it would take for the unions, the membership, momentum to all get on side with that is a massive a massive sort of oil tanker turn. Whereas the Tories, because they because they love power so much and they do love power, is literally overnight, they can literally go, Rishi's the new guy. Oh, yeah, no, we, we, we're stepping back off the culture war. Everyone's behind Rishi on that. And that, that flexibility is politically very useful and powerful. With Keir Starmer, look, Keir Starmer isn't... I gave him the benefit of the doubt. I've from a different wing of the Labour Party, but he mm. said he'd keep to the domestic policies of the Corbyn era, but be competent, professional, electable, unify the Labour Party. And I think he's broken all those promises. But nonetheless, I would always prefer a Labour Party led by virtually anyone to the Conservatives. And I would say mm-hmm. I would always infinitely prefer Keir Starmer to be Prime Minister than Boris Johnson. And I must think kind of, there's no excuse if you're someone who go, who went, I think Labour was way too extreme under Jamie Corbyn or whatever. I don't agree with that, but that's obviously obviously a, a very legitimate view to be on the centre-right of British politics. I didn't like his politics. I thought all these things about him. Um, but now with Keir Starmer, he's not going to offer some sort of radical socialism. I think he's more than established that. What's the excuse for not supporting the Labour Party now if you're someone of a so-called... Because there's still... The- the mechanics of the party, the, the Parliamentary Labour Party, are to the left of Keir Starmer. No, they're the not. Oh, I can assure you, they're not. They're not. Well, a lot of them are more right wing than he is. Well, there are plenty of, of MPs there that, that have views that. Well, certainly that's the impression. Maybe I've got. What, maybe view? I've got what it wrong. views do you think are too extreme? Well, certainly, you know, when it comes to. I mean, maybe this is just culture war stuff, and perhaps I don't want to talk so much about that. But if you look at the membership base, what, they're half a million people? I'd say that they're fairly to the left of the country. You've got the unions, yeah, the unions the unions that talk about international issues, but, you know, a teaching union that won't even defend, uh, you know, a teacher that's in hiding, right? Uh, I mean, oh, it, the teacher unions spent all the pandemic trying their best to fight for schools to not be well, real. That's, a, that's the whole point. But that's, that's the whole point. But then you get to do, the teacher. Everyone get, that. Yeah, but then you get to the teacher in Batley who showed a cartoon and was in hiding and they were absolutely silent. You know, there was some real hypocritical tensions. I mean, that's not true, by the way, but they did. Some you, they know they eventually did, did, but only under extreme pressure. I mean, and so I think that you know, for the time being, Keir Starmer being leader of the Labour Party, if you want to reassure the teachers, sorry, just quickly, just quickly, Mm. the teachers' unions aren't affiliated to the Labour Party. They've got nothing to do with the Labour Party. I think that there's a connection. There isn't a connection. (laughs) There isn't. They're not affiliated. So there's no funding. No, there's no endorsement. No, of, no there's, there's no endorsement of candidates for the leadership. No, th- no, they can't do that. So they no, no, no unions, no unions endorsed. Yes, Rebecca at, at, you're talking about trade unions that are affiliated to the Labour Party. So yeah, right. if you want to go, that's Unite. Unite don't represent teachers though. Unite, right, unions, right. Sorry, sorry they're affiliated to the Labour Party. The teachers unions aren't affiliated to the Labour Party. So, but I think that in terms of winning over Middle England, right? And a, and a Padwan gammon like me, 
there's just a bit further to go. So Keir Starmer, one swallow doesn't make a, a summer, right? The other issue is, Owen, what does he stand for? Don't know. Who, don't you know, know, in terms of his first chancellor, Annalise Dodds, that just looked like a scared, a scared girl on the first day of private school who'd What's forgotten her hockey kit. Yeah, well, that's what she looked like. She looked her, and and I'll go across that's just the political. appearance. What about yeah? But also, no, no, no. I'm not. I'm gonna. This is gonna be politically non-binary. This observation because Helen Waitley looks exactly the same. They look like the same two girls that came from the same primary care, school. Care minister Tory, right? And and so that was a strange choice. And and yet there were these figures. There were these MPs in the Labour Party. And again, I'll just name people that will probably piss off the left. But Yvette Cooper, who can do the job, who can communicate and and for i think my suspicion is and maybe i'm wrong here that i look at keir starmer and think there is no it for anyone who's like i'd vote labor but not with jamie corbyn anyone like or if someone like keir starmer's in charge Mm. sure then he becomes leader of the labor party and they're still (laughs) people are still voting tory why would it be any different with yvette cooper i don't think yvette cooper and keir starmer are that different i think a front bench but the problem is the front bench that might you know, persuade somebody like me would be far too right wing for most of the Labour Party and they might lose some of their progressive support. I mean, ultimately, and a few of you guys on the left have said this and you've got a point, Labour Party are just sort of a bit snookered, aren't they, really? Because they can't, it's it's just whichever way they move, they risk losing part of their own electoral coalition. And, and in fairness, and this is what I'm trying to do more these days, you know what you just said about I might always, essentially you're saying I might always find a reason to not vote Labour. There's probably some truth in that. I'll just be honest. As you were saying, I was like, yeah, it's, it's probably a bit true. But, you know, I certainly think I do like Andy Burnham and I do think that there's a certain front bench that could uh, appeal to me. But that's something I think we're talking about. I wonder if Labour would have to lose another election for the party as a whole to get behind a kind of, and, de- you know, you're going to hate me for saying this, but a sort of Blairite type brand that could win yeah, the you know, that- a majority Without in, getting stuck in, into know, the weeds there, I think the difference there is the Tories have abandoned austerity and kind of ultra Thatcherite economics. And yeah. they've actually sort of moved part of their tanks on the lawn, like they're increasing corporation tax. They're mm. turning on the taps in quite a cynical way, I'd argue. It's like, if you vote for us, then your community will get funding. If you don't, good oh, luck. Is there any way that they could do something good in your... You've just accused me of being biased, No, 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 right? no, no, I'm saying... But the Tories are spending, damn them. Come on, no, man. No, I mean, I'm, we, saying, I'm saying they're, they're spending on the basis of <laughs> which parts of the country have voted for them rather than which country parts of the country need the money. But anyway, nonetheless... But Labour, look at the level of, of employment in the public sector that, that exponentially rose during the Labour years. Oh, look, at suddenly there's loads of public sector jobs in the North East. I mean, I all political I wasn't, parties I wasn't do trying this. to critique, by the way. I wasn't trying to critique the Tories there, per se. I was trying to say... Yeah. That they 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 uh, parked their tanks on the lawn. Yeah, I hate that. No, thing. absolutely. No one normal. I like sentence. it though. I like it, but maybe that's because of my. It's, it's a bit warlike. Yeah, you're like, all right. He's getting excited. In the nineties, <laughs> the Tories were very Thatcherite, and you know they were yeah, privatizing yeah. the railways. It, they've half deprivatized them now, and. Mm. Tony Blair, you know, not my cup of tea, but Labour did offer minimum wage, windfall tax and privatised utilities, devolution, gay rights. There was a clear distinction to be yeah. made. And I think the sort of Blairism you're talking about in today's crisis-ridden country, because back then we had the financial sector bubble powering growth and Labour could say, we'll take some mm-hmm. of that growth and pull in public services. I think that's dead. And I think the Labour, the Tories now are, are wily and they've shifted on the economy and actually... Labour can't offer a, like Labour were opposing increasing corporation tax 
a few months ago. I mean, yeah, yeah, and also there were certain elements of furlough where the Tories went beyond. I remember you reading you actually saying this, where you said that we could find ourselves in a position where the Tories are left of the Labour Party on the economy. And it's that old phrase that it's easier for the Tories to go left on economics than it is for Labour to go right on culture. So, you know, those little things that you can do, those cultural things that are helpful in terms of being patriotic and stuff, every single time Starmer does something like that, there's a faction within the Labour Party that are deeply uncomfortable, you know, with with the flag. So, it, yeah, mate, maybe they're just snookered, really, for a while. But I, I do think that... You know, Labour maybe. I seriously think maybe it's another election defeat, and then this civil war happens, and and either there's this ongoing progressive coalition, or people kind of point in the same direction. Finally, because three reasons, you have to go shortly. I'm going to go to the gym before it gets too busy because I'm trying to trying to you know work on my physique for the summer. Keep this keep this Botox face that you got going on. Apparently, oh, that's the gym, is it? You've been doing a face workout. Yeah, I have actually, yeah. <laughs> and also because I forgot, I forgot to plug my computer in, and I can see it's running out of battery. So I'm, let's have a look. Eleven percent. Um. Uh, so and we're going to plug you up properly. Again. Look, is this what you millennials call ghosting? Am I being sort of battery ghosted here? No, you're not. Got to go to Scott, you know, no, you, to do, you said you've got to go at half past three. It's now twenty past three. So we're running out of time anyway. Come on, don't take it personally. We've done a good forty-one minutes. That's really good. So finally, what I'm interested in, before we tell everyone to read your fascinating book, and also, mm-hmm. oh no, two quick questions actually. Why mm-hmm. are there so few uh, right-wing comedians? Cliche, you've been asked that a million times, so just do something funny. And also, what's your most left-wing opinion? Uh, my well, The reason there aren't so many right-wing comedians is because uh, they're all hideous liars. Uh, no, they, it just, they, they just aren't. When the alternative circuit... There was this war. Think of it as a war. And the, the alternative lefties won. And then for a generation or two, it was just presumed that comedy, you know, was that was their their palace that they stormed, right? And then inevitably there were a few of us that were sort of thinking, well, I don't think exactly that. And we will we will never be the majority. But what if people, you know, have seen the recent changes in comedy, it's just that it gets so overblown. All it is is a slight rebalancing of viewpoints. And it's not, in most cases, a lot of the comedians that get called right-wing aren't. It's just perhaps they've got a more small C conservative thing. But I would say this, I think that the shows that have included more diversity of viewpoint have done really well. And I've been doing the news quiz hosted by Andy Zaltzman, and they've tended to have somebody like me or Simon Evans or Alan Cochran. And it's just, mate, it's better for the lefties, I think, mate, because they've got something to push back on. So I say something a bit out there and then they pull me up in a funny way. And rather than seeming like, you know, this cliched accusation of being a backslap in orthodoxy, we've all got something to push against now. So that was a very long winded way of saying that most right wing comedians aren't funny, but you are. But anyway, what's your most left wing opinion? No, no, there's, there's plenty of guys. There's plenty of guys out there. Leo Kirsten. It's just good that I think that there, there are, there are things that there's just, there's just a lot less of us, mate. Is the Yeah, that's true. It says your Mac will sleep soon unless plugged to a power outlet. So could you please tell me your most left wing political opinion? Uh, My left wing, uh, I, I think, you know, compared to a lot of people on my side of, debates generally I you know I do see people that are fully transitioned as as women you know I do I do see that I think that it's such a a big thing to have done in your life and and I'm not trying to be flippant here but when I think about loads of stuff that I know that I need to do or could could do to make myself a better person or happier or healthier and I haven't done them uh, and they're quite easy things to do so I do I feel you know I accept people that way but 
but equally, you know, I, I think it's sometimes odd when people who were firebrand feminists and on the left before are dismissed by people. But it's another one of those debates, mate, where people want things to come quickly. And it, when you're talking about fundamental notions of sexual identity, it, it takes time. But I would say that, yeah, my view on that is probably to the left of most people who follow me. And I'll, all I'd say there for anyone trans watching, just like gay people before you, you will win. Uh, Jeff, it's been an absolute pleasure, though. Really, really interesting. We had a very good chat. Whether people watch this or listen to it on the podcast, real pleasure to have you on. And oh, yeah, and say the name of your book again for people. To, that's the name of the book is uh, Where Did I Go Right? How the Left Lost Me? And it's been great, man. People on both sides of the political divide have found something from it, whether it was laughs or just a paperweight or, or even toilet roll. You know, there is some, and, and if you're a real lefty and there's another left winger who you just hate, then just buy it and I, give it to them. I love it when Perfect people go gift. like, I get this sometimes, go, oh, I'm going to buy it for toilet roll. It's like, do what you want with it. Do it, man. It. Why do I care? Do like, speaking of a capitalist, I don't care how it gets sold as long as it's sold. Uh, well, um, it's always a pleasure. I enjoyed being on your show. And it was and yourself, fun. mate. Lots of love, buddy. Hope you enjoyed it. Do support us on Patreon or use the support function in the description so we can keep doing all this stuff uh, with the amazing team. And uh, also give us five stars, go on, please. And uh, a review if you feel like it. But anyway, we've got loads of stuff coming up, so do subscribe. Lots of love, and I will speak to you soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.